same old trouble villains always knocking at the door pretty pictures on the page but nothing ever stays the same thank you vandello and welcome once again to graphically novel my name is josh wafta a k a fallout fieri and with me as always is Oh, no. My wonderful soundtrack. Do my stop. My Saya. It hurts. You know, in a <laughs> lifetime <laughs> full of roses. My my real connection. My my Wong. It's I fair. don't want to be your Wong. I absolutely <laughs> do not want to be. Oh wait, then we're talking. Never mind. Is we're it, talking about Lin. That's a Wang. Wang to be Wong. That's a wang. <laughs> uh, that was creepy and eerie. And thank you, I guess. And, and only if you Wang Chung. Ooh. Tonight. Tonight? <laughs> Just tonight. Uh, and with us again, the lovely, the talented, the please God poison me so I don't have to deal with another one of those. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Baronessa, Miss Jennifer Howland. Thank you, Bear. And as always, it's my distinct pleasure to introduce our guest. This one you chose. I did choose. I chose you. I feel very fortunate to be chosen. Our guest today is one of my dearest best friends, Dan Schaefer, who is also an adjacent birthday buddy with me. And our birthdays just happened this weekend. So Dan, happy birthday. Happy Woo! birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you. Clinky. Clinky. I'm clinking an invisible class here. That's well. fine. <laughs> so thank you so much for joining us for Deadly Class. And I'm really excited to hear your thoughts. I hope I have some. <laughs> so yeah the super cool thing uh is uh, so for season four um instead of soliciting guests we've been doing guests in season two um we decided to choose our own and we looked at the list of what we had and kind of themed them up and dan uh nor well for our last one was transformers and we had our friend three who is a transformers maniac and has been for many many years dan we found out you had not seen Deadly Class or read the comic, but it was so on brand for you, according to Jen. <laughs> yes. Because I'm an assassin? What? Yes. yes. Well, <laughs> come on. You're not supposed to disclose that. Right. But. Oh, right, right, right. Sorry. No, it's because I went to private school. Is that it? Is that it? <laughs> you're, just, yes. you're just an accountant. <laughs> Rule number one of assassin school. You don't talk about assassin school. I forgot that one. Apparently yeah. it was not beaten into me well enough. Mm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so um, could you, uh, as new guests do, give us a little overview of your history with comic books, uh, comic book properties, that whole thing? Sure. I mean, I've been reading comic books since I was um, in high school, of course, like everyone does. But for me, that's about a thousand years. Um, and uh, I started off, uh, I, I actually started off as a kid thinking that I was making a brilliant investment by buying issue number one of Machine Man. Um, nice. <laughs> which turned out to be not an investment, but I was 10 or something. Um, no, but I've been I've been back and forth with comics for, for years. I, I had um, uh, several friends who worked at the local comic store when I was in college and after college. And um, I started getting into some of the independents. It was actually kind of nice watching in Deadly Class when they started talking about some of the comics that, of course, I had read in that era, um, you know, Grim Jack and and Lone Wolf and Cub uh, or whatever. So, so I've been on with that. In terms of, uh, I don't know, adaptations of comics, I'm 
completely uncritical about Marvel Studios movies. I just watch them and and don't bother to take tear them apart, even though I know that there are good and bad things about them. So I watch all of those. Um, I haven't actually, I've started collecting a few other things, but mostly just digital. Um, I have, I have this um, online subscription for comics. And so I read a few, there's some that are really cool. I think my, uh, and and then I've been kickstarting hardcovers (laughs) of Atomic Robo comics, which is, I think my all-time favorite. Nice. Um, I've heard of it. I have not oh, jumped into it yet. I've heard it's great. Totally worth reading. It's the, it's so well written. Very so funny. We have uh, when we started, um, we had taken a year to kind of build up to doing our show. Um, in the interim, uh, before I had anything out to say, hey, this is public. <laughs> this is our property. Uh, another graphically novel with three brothers in the in Appalachia started up as a podcast. <laughs> Because you could start a podcast really in two ways. You could you could build up an LLC and do like, we're going to plan this out and everything, or you could just grab a mic and start recording. Um, so, but they are awesome. Uh, they actually did a, a show with us where we both graphically novels did Into the Spider-Verse. Um, okay. But they did an Atomic Robo episode. And just from their descriptions of things, like there's a Nazi dinosaur doctor. Yes, yes, Dr. Dinosaur. Yeah. (laughs) like Time traveling. Time traveling dinosaur evil villain. I don't know that he's actually a Nazi. Okay. but yeah, no, it's great. And the, the great thing about, I mean, I've been, they've been kickstarting their hardcover series. So I now have like 13 volumes. Uh, and every time there are nice little extra goodies that they send you like Dr. Dinosaur pins. I mean, it's, it's a lot of fun just to, to read it. So actually, if you could do me a favor and send me the link to their cast at some point. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hear what they say about it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, also, there's I, a... I would love to compare your reading list with, with mine because <laughs> sure. I know we, we have gone through Lock and Key, several yep. other series that sure. I love. So I would really like to hear what you're okay. reading. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I tell you what I'm currently reading um, or have had a little hiatus, but I have a bunch of issues waiting for me is Die by Kieran Gillen. Um, Kieran Gillen, who also yes. did uh, Wicked in the Divine. Wicked oh. in the Divine. Phono- yes. A phonogram. Yeah. We've phonogram. talked to, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then there's um, uh, Once in Future, which is, or one, it's been a while since I've looked at it, but it's, it's an Arthurian modern day oh i did hear about that yeah, yeah and that i think is is that warren ellis that might be warren ellis that's probably <laughs> why i heard of or, it because <laughs> there's another one that was warren ellis that i was reading and I'm, i may be getting them mixed up so mm. i'm sorry um okay. but die is fantastic and um kieran gillen has created because it's a role-playing game within the comic he's created a role-playing game based on the role-playing game in the comic and then there, speaking of role-playing like games, there is an, an Atomic Robo role-playing game too, which is a lot of fun on, on the Fate system. So that's that's my comics connection right there. Is, that's awesome. That junk. Um, my, my, my only non-homework that I have done recently is I've been reading the current Amazing Spider-Man, which is weird and fun and involves sin-eating. Uh, but the, <laughs> And I did try to start my annual read-through of Transmet, and I find until Biden's in office, I just can't. Yeah. yeah I can't. <laughs> Yeah, that would be a hard one. I can't hit um, it yet because we haven't moved on from the beast yet, so I can't. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, you know, and I, I was, I was really into um, 
the Ms. Marvel, Kamala Khan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's fantastic. I just, I just love that. Um, and uh, they finally yeah. cast, they finally cast her. Did they? For the, for the show that they're doing. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm a little curious about Disney's approach to all this, all these shows and, you know, 10 new Star Wars shows and however many new Marvel Studios shows. The only reason that I think they're taking it seriously and double, doubling down, we mentioned this on the last show too, was I don't know if you've seen on Disney Plus, there's a series called Marvel 616. I've heard of it. The idea is like the first episode is is the story of of how Japanese Spider-Man came about to be um, okay. and, and why you never heard of it until like the mid 90s because it was banned. Marvel actually banned it from coming to oh. the United States in any way. Um, but the second episode is specifically about women in comics and the history of women in comics. Mm-hmm. And it goes deep into Ms. Marvel and how Kamala Khan came about. Oh, that's and great. The, the writer having the idea and reaching out to the artist and... Uh, the artist who had won some awards for like indie comics and things just being like, really? Marvel's going to do this? Yeah, whatever. And hung up on her. Like, (laughs) like, there's no way you're a serious call right now because Marvel would never. So the fact that there are documentaries happening right now telling that story, you can't, on Disney Plus where this show's going to happen, you can't then turn around and make the show lackluster, you know? Yeah, I mean, they're going to have some hits and misses, right? Because they always do. Um, You know, like like Daredevil was great. uh, And this isn't Disney, but I mean, Daredevil was great and Iron Fist was crap. Um, (laughs) So at least I never even watched Iron Fist because I heard it was crap and it was just not interesting. We we tried. Yeah, we did the first season. We didn't even do the second. I think Barry, you went. I loved it. I thought it was great. (laughs) Sorry, piss off. Well, we watched the first season and I was just like, this is. I, I I agree with you that the second season is better, yeah. like what I saw from the second season, but the first season, it was so painful to get there. I was just like, no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. not not everything can be, in my opinion, Jessica Jones was the was mm. the star of those four. Well, five yeah. if you count all of them being together, the defenders. Yeah. But uh, yeah, for for every for every Runaways, you have a cloak and dagger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, and I, I just worried not so much on the Marvel side, but on the, like on the Star Wars side where they're introducing so many new shows. I just wonder about if they're diluting the franchise. I think that's harder to do with Marvel, which has so many different, it's really a bunch of different franchises. Right. Um, but it, I, I find it very interesting that they're going whole hog with this stuff. Um, and I'm looking well, forward to it. I saw the trailer for Loki and that looks like a lot of fun. Yes. It does. It does. Uh, all of the trailers actually are fairly, I was, I've only seen two. I saw that one and, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Oh, have Charles you Paul. seen WandaVision? I have not seen the trailer. Check that trailer. It that looks trailer's good, good but as an old school comic books fan, I mean, I'm excited about everything that they're putting out, but the mm-hmm. one that like I was geeking out and being like, oh, Jen, the, what they're doing is, was they're doing a what if series. Oh yeah. Yeah. But I it'll heard about all that. be animated. So every episode will be another what if. And when That's they awesome. can get the voices, they're getting the voices. So like, oh nice. What if Peggy Carter got Steve's treatment? <laughs> oh. So she was basically well, they don't say Captain Britain because Captain Britain's its own thing. Right. But basically it's like Peggy with the shield, but the shield has the Union Jack on it. <laughs> right. So, so are they doing it with new what if stories, or are they taking them from the older what if comics? No, they're basically what ifing the MCU. 
Oh, so it's just MCU what ifs. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. So, that'll be, uh, that'll be but fun. yeah, but they also have access to things like you know the the actual actors. Right. So right. Right. you know, it's 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 another little you know you might you might get a little Chris Evans back. You know, you might get a little, yeah right. Uh, 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 Mark Ruffalo or yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Robert Downey Sorry. Jr. is who I was trying to think of. Like, I don't think there are is letters. He, is he really going to? He might. I mean, if it's a voice. I thought he was in your house. The whole thing. Yeah, yeah. but here's $50,000. There's money, right. Yeah, here's right. $500,000. Record something for a bit. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to leave your house. Uh, <laughs> right. Um, so getting back to Deadly Class, Deadly yes. Class is the first that we've ever done by a writer called uh, Rick Remender. And Rick Remender is, has been in, in everything. We have, in, in fact, tangentially mentioned him. But Rick Remender is a writer and artist that actually got his start as an animator. And he worked on Iron Giant, Titan AE, and Anastasia. Oh, I love Titan AE. Wow. Yeah. And he was a writer for video games. And he wrote (laughs) Dead Space and Bulletstorm. Oh, damn. So, I mean, like, he is kind of in that jack-of-all-trades kind of going through. But the, the big ones that he's known for, the big independent one that he's known for is called Black Science, which doesn't have a media aspect, so we haven't done it on the show. I think, but... I, read, I, think I read one of those. Yeah, it's basically, <laughs> yeah, it's basically like science that could destroy the world. Like it's, it's, right. or the universe. It's like super crunchy, techie, like evil. Did that involve multidimensional stuff with it astronauts? Absolutely. And, yep. Yeah. From like I, the I, very I read, first. I read that. That's yeah. cool. And then uh, he did uh, his his Marvel work was he did Punisher War Journal for a while and then moved on to full Punisher. But the big ones that he did, we talked about uh, at least one of these on our episode with David Harnois, was he did uh, Uncanny X-Force. So the run of X-Force where... X where like X-Force is uh, the wet works team for the X-Men. Like, <laughs> like right. Apo- Apocalypse is reincarnated. He's in the body of an eight-year-old child. And Cyclops is like, Wolverine, take your team and go kill that child. And like, <laughs> yeah, okay. so it was really good. Uh, but then he also did a series post uh, uh, X, uh, VA, which was X-Men versus Avengers. It was called Uncanny Avengers. And it was a mix of like Avengers and X-Men on a team that was also really good. So uh-huh. he, he's he's one of my favorites, like just in sheer, like come onto a title and blow me away. Yeah. Um, and this did not disappoint. Uh, we saw the show beforehand um and then uh decided to do to do the comic for uh for the show but Mm -hmm. dan let me go back to you you had not read the comic had not seen the show what were your initial thoughts and was jen right that you were the target market for this uh in a lot of ways yes absolutely i mean set in the 80s so that was a thing for me because i also uh, was set in the 80s um (laughs) similarly the 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 art style is really i mean in the comic was so so let me back up I had not, never even heard of this until you guys contacted me about it. And I immediately went out and looked at um, the first volume, collected volume of, of the comic book uh, and read it and thought, oh, yeah, this is pretty cool. Um, and then I looked at some of the shows and I started watching the show and it was, it, yeah, it was kind of kind of up my alley. Um, so I, I really... I really, um, I have thoughts about it. I don't know how you want to approach it, but, um, <laughs> Those, the show is everything's on the yeah. table. So, yeah. so whatever so, you feel about the show, go for it, man. Okay. Um, I thought that as an adaptation, it was really, really well done. Um, 
one thing I actually liked about it, and, and I know that Rick Remender was an executive producer on the show, so I know he was heavily involved with uh, the production and making sure that it was, um, like he ran reasonably close to what he had intended in the comic. Right. Um, I, I was reading something yesterday on a comparison site of sort of the 10 things that are different between the show and the comic. And apparently they had to tone down some of the gunplay aspects yeah. Yeah. because there were a lot of guns in the comic. Um, and I thought I thought um, they did a very good job of keeping it close. I really like the animated sequences that they put into the show um, because they they parallel very closely what it was in the comics um in the books uh, well, and i thought that those were a really good way to kind of mitigate the violence yeah you know they yeah. use the animated sequences for those very flashbacks very, mm -hmm. always for flashbacks yeah, yeah. and they were but flashbacks they, right yeah. and and so it's a good way of telling the backstory without having to do a complete flashback you know visual right um I think my favorite thing, and I was glad that, that they had done it, and they did it really well, my favorite thing in the first volume, the, which was like issue five or six or something, was the trip to Vegas. And I do mean trip yeah. to Vegas. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, and I was a little worried how they were going to do that in the show, um, but they did it really well. I mean, they yeah. just they it just hit the, every beat. It was, it was the was page. Fantastic. It was the page. It well, was like absolutely... And, and I feel like the, the comic was an homage to Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Absolutely. The movie, with the book and the movie. Yeah. But yeah. in the book, did you notice when they got to the hotel and they were going to their rooms, there was a dude that kind of resembled Hunter S. Thompson standing in the I don't the think I, I must have missed that. Oh, no, maybe I, I think I did notice that now that you yeah, think of it. Yeah, I, I loved it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I just thought I was a little worried because in the first episode of the show, when he picks the blunt up off the ground and smokes it and it's it's laced and he starts mm -hmm. start sort of hallucinating as he goes through the uh, Dia de los Muertos parade or whatever it is, because mm -hmm. they did they hadn't done that in the comic. And I was a little worried that they were going to like dull the point of the Vegas trip by doing that, by sort of previewing it that way. Not but it didn't all. happen. And and and. <laughs> I don't, I don't remember the, I don't know the kid's name who played Marcus. Um, I'm sure you have that information, but yep. he did such a good job, um, you know, cowering under the car, worrying about the digital mountains. And then just the whole rest of that episode, I thought was really well done. I think Bear's got it. Yeah. Benjamin Wadsworth was Thank the name you. you were looking for. My, okay. I don't like I'd... the tablet for pulling up information. It's not as <laughs> quick as the phone. Well, I um, just happen to have the D handy. Stop it. Jason. We had to reach out to the D. No, stop. <laughs> Jason, I hope you're happy. One of our one of our previous guests referred to IMDB as the D for the an entire D. episode. <laughs> Not only is he a previous guest, he is probably our number one fan. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Entirely yeah. possible. It's yeah. Timber well, Schmigler. Yeah. <laughs> and we would love to see that fight. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Jason, for not for now implanting that in my head. I will never right. The D. And that. now IMDb I do it like again. I was like, oh, I've got to open IMD the D. Oh God, Jason, why? <laughs> <laughs> So to, to piggyback on that thought though, Dan, one of the things that I noticed and not many TV shows do this, 
not even any movies really do this. Always the effect for drugs, no matter what the drug is, is the same effect. And so what Deadly Class yeah. did is when he smokes that joint and it's laced with PCP, mm -hmm. it is a different trip than when he yes. decides to just stuff a bunch of acid in his mouth. Well, right. and that's, I, that's, I think, what I meant when I said that it was very similar to the treatment that the movie Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, it wasn't the same. Like, if, if you're not aware, Hunter S. Thompson did a panoply of drugs. <laughs> and that movie did... Would you call it a cornucopia? <laughs> Maybe. A plethora? Perhaps. A, a, a plethora? Did he have a plethora of drugs? Yes. How many drugs were in a plethora? But I think that... What they did in that movie was the, the effects, like what he was seeing, how he was behaving, what he was hearing mm -hmm. was different based on the drug he was doing. And I think that Deadly Class followed in that mm -hmm. uh, filmography. Well, so I, I have no idea what smoking weed laced with PCP results in, um, having never done that. Uh, I thought the acid stuff was... Um, really well done because there was a variety of different hallucinatory things and i thought that was right uh, i thought that was um pretty pretty uh, on target i guess right right yeah i was the same way like, like I, I i was extremely impressed that that part of it like even with the other little changes that they kind of did to flesh out the show mm -hmm. like i said that part was the page like when yeah. you are driving into las vegas and you are on acid visuals are not your friend <laughs> no absolutely right i could never imagine i i just couldn't bring yeah, myself to even are. think about it <laughs> right i think it depends on what else is going on in your head right That's right um yeah. but and but, not even yeah. not even normal vegas like now 80s right. vegas 80s vegas i personally right. couldn't imagine being on what did he have six hits of acid in the comic seven seven, seven in the, in stuffed the, it in his mouth because he thought it was bunk and, <laughs> and walking through the slots just walking through yeah. the slots in any casino right and i don't care yeah. what decade it is yep. and you're on six or seven hits of acid god that would be just just being like that, that slightly would... drunk and walking through vegas and walking <laughs> mm -hmm. through the slots yeah that's it hard is, enough yeah yeah i i the, the the one thing that I like that they added in the in the show that wasn't that you know wasn't in the was the iced tea cameo in the in the slot machine right that was yeah. hilarious well, it was Mr. Mr. T because yep. in, in the, the comic, comic it's Mr. Right. T right and I think iced right. tea is a far better choice right. I mean no no yeah no no disrespect to Mr. T Mr. T <laughs> who is a, obviously a regular listener to yes. this podcast <laughs> we yeah. are not fools. Do not pity us. Yes. Right. Right. <laughs> but, or if you, you must know, pity us, pity us for some other reason. Yes. We love you, BA. Um, what's that? Yeah, we love him. Yeah. Um, but we like it. Yeah. So I thought that I thought that was really good. One thing that, that just overall I really enjoyed about the show, having just previously read the comics, um, was watching for how they hit all those beats from the page, right? Um, I thought that, it, and, and I only read now the first two collected volumes, so I guess that's probably the first twelve issues or so of the right. Comic and we're book. we're only talking about it on this show the first one, so up through the Vegas trip. Well, except okay, because I did watch. I mean, the whole first season goes through right. the second volume, right? Yep. Um, Which I didn't know until I finished the first volume. But, but we generally, a... yeah, <laughs> we, we we generally like to tell our audience if you liked this 
this thing. Here's no. the graphic novel, and here's one graphic novel to just pick. Right. right. But okay. yes, you're right. I because yeah. Spoiler. So, so I will should continue I, reading this. <laughs> should, should I not discuss the second volume and, well, and the yeah. way it translated into the second half of the season? No, because I mean, you, you can spoiler free on it. But yeah, I'm not going to spoil it. I will yeah. try not to spoil it. Um, there were, um, but it was just again watching all the beats. And yeah. and thinking, yeah, they really did that. I didn't think they were going to do that, or I didn't think they could do that. But they really they hit them all. Um, one thing that was different in the show from what was in the books was the whole concept of who's behind the school, right? Yeah, mm, yeah. Um, the guild. I don't know. I assume that's part. I think that's in the first half of the season. Um, yes, yes, it is. Well, yeah, in the the yeah. first season is fair game. Like and the first well, season. Yes, I mean, so they yeah. they have the guild and this whole sort of shadowy thing that was not in the first two volumes. I don't know if they introduced it later. Later, right? Um, so I'm, I'm so now I'm gonna have to read the rest <laughs> of the damn collections. Um, but I thought that was an interesting thing because, and I also thought I, I gotta say I think casting Benedict Wong as Lin was brilliant. Um, I really like him, and it's a lot. I think it's he. he it was better than the sort of Fu Manchu, uh, you know, magic Asian dude. Well, like the little Lin. tiny, yeah, the old little guy. exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I thought, I thought, um, I thought he did a really, he does a really good job, yeah. and um, I enjoyed watching him do that. I think Marvel um, can pay attention to this because on the page, looking at Deadly Class, the first thing I thought of was. Oh, that's the Mandarin, like yeah. from from Marvel, uh, yeah. who's an Iron Man yeah. villain. Famously, in the in the Iron Man movies, they yeah. made him a white guy that was like a fake. British white guy, a British white guy British who was white fake. Guy yeah. who was basically in. Can you call it what yellow face? Yes, yeah. kind of, kind of yellow kinda. face. Yeah. Well, I mean, he was, was just actor. faking it, right? He was an right. actor, yeah. right? Although Ben Kingsley did a very good job at that, right? Um, but, as, but as always, but how you yeah. translate that is you get another. Asian, uh, Asian, right. Asian American actor mm -hmm. um, who just has that same sort of gravitas. It's mm -hmm. it's similar. I found to um, when they recently did on HBO, they did the uh, rereading of Hartsfield's Landing for uh, West Wing, and obviously John Spencer had passed away, so you can't have you know Leo. Um, and they got right. Um, oh, they um, his name uh, Sterling. Sterling. Oh yes. man, I remember. Sterling Brown? No. No. Um, Better Sterling. check the D. Oh man. <laughs> <Somebody> <laughs> <Sterling>. This is <laughs> bad that we don't remember so his name. Still Sterling K something. Yeah. In in keeping with the casting on Deadly Class, mm -hmm. Hank Rollins is quickly quickly <laughs> I, becoming uh, my Sterling K. Brown. Brown. You were right. Sterling K. Brown. Sterling K. Brown. I know I know what I'm yeah, talking there about. There you go. <laughs> Honestly, I, I don't know Fair. that I've ever seen Fair. what I would call a bad, like just a flat out bad. I don't even want to watch this anymore movie that had Henry Rollins in it. He's he's uh, astonishingly well. Okay, he's not a good actor, but what causes it? This causes it. This okay. causes it. <laughs> he's not a good actor, but he understands. Like he embraces he, a role. Yes, I think he was good in that role. role. I think he was good as Jurgen. Well, um, because I think Jurgen was kind of based on him. That's possible. I mean, he's he's yeah. not from the. I mean, I think there's a mention of Jurgen in the comic in the book. Mm -hmm. but um he's certainly not that major right. character right. that they made henry rollins uh that they gave to henry rollins um right. so uh yeah and no, actually was i'll jump in and say if you want to see uh, an impressive acting job from 
Henry Rollins, the second or third season of Sons of Anarchy. Is it the second or third? I think it's the third season where he's actually playing. You watch Henry Rollins play a neo Nazi. Yeah. He is literally playing. So you watch Henry Rollins play the the leaders of the white brother, the Aryan brotherhood. Yeah. Yeah. You watch him play the thing that he hates most. Yeah. And you can just see Henry Rollins just pour himself into that role and just see the entire time. It's fine. I'll just watch American History X again. (laughs) I mean, you could also watch. Uh, he never died on Netflix um, where he's basically Kane. Oh, I didn't see that either. Yeah, no, it's good. 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 What was All it right. called? Uh, he, he never, never died. died. Oh, I never heard of that. Ni- neither had I. He never died. I've never yeah. heard of it. It's a... <laughs> 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 um... It's a classic. So, so I do. I don't want to spoil anything for the second half of the season in the in the second book. But well, this, it's not even in the second book. But I have to say, another guest star that they use, um, French Stewart. Yes. Yeah. No. And so yeah. amazing. He, he does such a so great good. job. So the entirety of the season of the show. You can is, spoilers is, yeah, are fine. Spoilers okay. Are fine. Okay. It's just the graphic yeah. novel we try to. Oh, write. okay. So I won't but spoil yes, that. Yeah. But yes, French Stewart in everything he did in that oh. was he reminded was me so that episode where they take him out on a leash. On the leash? Yeah, yeah that was that was <laughs> it was hilarious, right? It was so good. And he was so good eating the burrito, eating the ice cream. I mean, mm-hmm. it was like this guy's been stuck in a room in a cage basically for who knows how long although one thing that freaked me out i was just watching this last night so it freaked me out because it it, because he's the scorpio slasher right which is based on the zodiac killer right and i have not looked into the history of the zodiac killer um so i don't know what they knew about him and when but French Stewart talks about all those people I killed are going to be in paradise with mm-hmm. me as my slave. That's what was just in what they decrypted. I know. I was just going to say they did, that was have, like yesterday, wasn't it? That right, that decryption right. happened. They, they're have like they, they have they had this information before, <laughs> and that helped them decrypt it, or is this something that was just? I it can't be. It can't be a coincidence. I know. Right? I I was going to bring that up too. That's French amazing. Stewart Maybe. is the Zodiac killer. You've he heard it Rick here. Remender. <laughs> or Rick Remender. Yeah. <laughs> or whoever wrote that episode. Right. I don't so know. Recently, it was freaky. Just to just to bring everybody up to the to the same page. Um, recently, the FBI released uh, information. Cryptographers have been able to, after what fifty one years. 50 some odd years yeah Yeah, 51 years decrypt this message from the zodiac killer and it basically says all these people that i've killed will be my servants in paradise slaves he actually said yeah. slaves yeah did he say slaves i thought it was servants. Yeah. no i'm pretty sure it was slaves but anyway and he matter. misspelled paradise yes <laughs> i remember that <laughs> Yeah, now it's possible, I mean, because they did have letters from him, and I'm just looking right now, (laughs) they had other letters from the Zodiac Killer, so it's possible he mentioned it in previous uh, ciphers and previous previous letters. Uh, We're we're dipping our toe into murder podcasts now. Yeah, Yeah, now it's it's true crime. But that's fascinating (laughs) that someone could come up with a cipher that took people like FBI, the minds of the world, this long to figure out what it said yeah so yeah it was pretty wild um anyway so yeah i think he i think it must have been something he mentioned in a in a previous letter because there are several of those but holy crap that was like just a weird moment yeah (laughs) yeah yeah i didn't even think of it because i we watched the uh series 
earlier. Mm-hmm. Right. So, right. And yeah, I was, yeah. it was totally fresh in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, which, which made it all the more fun. Uh, but right. I thought that character was so well done. Yeah. Um, yes. And of course, at the end, when they're, you know, they're running down the street chasing uh, Fuckface and his hillbilly family, no sign of French Stewart. Right. Uh, <laughs> they just kind of <laughs> dropped it, dropped the leash and ran and yeah. left it at that. Right. Which I and thought he, was he an gone. interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's somewhere. And I think uh, there are a couple things where obviously they intended to make more series, more seasons. Yeah. And that was obviously, I think, going to be a thing later. But I don't actually I say obviously, but I'm not sure because I don't know that it relates to the book in any way. Um, right. Until you read in, further. Yeah. yeah. Unless maybe it's further in the, into the thing. But I think it was a good addition for the show. Um, and uh, yeah. And I was so in the show ending on a cliffhanger like that. Obviously, they intended to um, make more and sci fi apparently didn't think it was worth doing. So the thing that I found Sadly. out just before the show and out loud went, oh, man. And Jen was like, what, what? And I'm like, I have to tell you on the show. <laughs> this show and another from sci-fi were canceled on the same day. Do you know what the other show was? I'm guessing it's The Expanse. No. Because that's another one that they canceled, but that had a fan base. Is it another one back. we're doing later this season? Nope. It's oh. one we've already done. Oh. Wait. Happy. And this oh. were canceled. Oh. No! <laughs> on the same day in the same press release okay who do i need to call and say why do you hate me <laughs> Wait, was it, so was that after the first season of happy or the second, second. Did someone else second. pick it up after okay because yeah. I didn't watch the second. I watched the first and loved it. And, you know, I have, I've been on two different podcasts talking about Happy. I know. Oh, I dear. Know. Yeah. Uh, but that I found that and I was like, nah, gotta mark that down. Oh, yeah. Sci-Fi has made a lot of mistakes, though. I mean, yeah. mistakes, you know, bad decisions about shows that I like. Well, and I, think <laughs> I think they're one of those channels that aren't considering the power of streaming uh, the, the, you know, how you yeah. can get on a Netflix, get on a Hulu, and it'll take off. Because The Expanse was almost canceled after the first season. And it was only because it hit Hulu right. that, that it was saved. And now it's like most people I know have watched The Expanse. I've only watched the first episode. Oh, I highly recommend it. And fifth season drops in three days. Um, it's the last so season too, right? It is. No, they're doing one more. They, oh, okay. got, they got picked up for a sixth season, which believe me. But when it was canceled on sci-fi, it was the fan base that essentially motivated Amazon to pick it up. Um, and, uh, you know, this this is beyond, I'm sure, the scope of this show. But I have a lot to say about that. No, that's all right. <laughs> yeah. That's all right. We talk about all that. We've talked about Lucifer in the past. Characters that were changed a little bit, I found. So um, going back to our episode on the crowd, uh, because this was similar to me in that reading the comic actually talked to things that the TV show I realized retroactively were trying to say without saying, or were trying to show without saying. And the big one for me was Marcus's anxiety, um, because there is actually a scene where Marcus just sits down and talks about his anxiety like openly, mm-hmm. whereas his conversation in the in the show is a little more nuanced. But he, uh, there's also a talk about music and about you know what what Marcus listens to. Well, before we get into that, yeah. I, I, I because I know that's going to become an and then a thing in 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 unto itself right but the the whole uh Marcus and his anxiety. I think that in the comic, it was his journaling and like that was right. his way of processing. But in the, also in, in the comic, it was um, a way to connect to another character. Right. And in, in the show, 
I think that it was, I think they tried to just make it kind of the low level buzz. Like he was constantly dealing with his anxiety throughout the series. And instead of having those intense moments, like I I feel like there were in the comics, it was just always him barely managing his anxiety. Right. But it's like, but in the comic, he actually like goes into it and he says like, I will stay up at night thinking about interactions I've had during the day, playing them back, wondering, did I miss something? Did I piss people off? Did I... And like, I was just reading it being like, next time you come for me like that, send a fucking town car. <laughs> like, I'm, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, okay, no, no, let's just lay it all out. Fine, Marcus. <laughs> Fine. Hashtag called out. Right? <laughs> I, I don't know. Personally, I think I got a very uh, Umbrella Academy feel. I did too. From this. Like, the, the comic was good. Um, it had a lot of great detail. There was... And like you said before, it hits a lot of the beats as you're going through it. But it seemed like the TV series just was able to add so much more detail, so much more like flesh out the character so much more. I agree with you. I agree with you because I felt like similar to Umbrella Academy, like the the storyline was there, but you didn't get the characters in full color like you did on the TV series. And I, I think it's similar, like, yeah. it's getting there in the comic, but the TV series, obviously, you've got to do that in a much faster yeah. manner. Yeah, in a much, in a much well, more, and, you know, yeah. 2020 and ADD you, environment. Yeah. And you can do it in much more depth because mm-hmm. you have dialogue, you have facial expressions, you have all these ways of people interacting that give depth to the characters that you can't really do as much. And, and, you know, the comic format is a lot more tell than show. Um, And you can't do that on a TV show. So you wind up showing more. And that, I think, gives a a fuller picture. Um, You know, one thing that surprised me, which, and maybe I missed it or maybe it wasn't there, was the in the first half of the season, certainly, and through much, much of the rest of it, is the relationship between Saya and Maria. Yeah. Where they're best friends yeah. through much of the show. That didn't, that wasn't part of the book, really. No. And not until they like, do cocaine. Not until it. they were on coke. Yeah. Right. Until they were right. coked out right. of their minds. Then they were best friends. Yeah. Right. Right. But, but, but before that, they were like in the show, they're depicted as really sort of being each other's pals. Right. Um, well, beyond that, I mean, they really protect each other on yeah. the TV show. Uh, and, absolutely. And, you know, I think that this is kind of a spoiler for the graphic novel, but <laughs> they aren't there. Like in the TV show, they're roommates. Mm-hmm. In the comic, you don't like they don't talk about people boarding there. Aside from the scene in the shower. Yep. Which That's was, it. again, right. hilarious. But it was also after, like, a PE class. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> PE, kind of, yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. I mean, that was that was really interesting. One, one thing, speaking of characters and how they change things up from the comic to the show, is the, the big party that they all go to. Yeah. Which is, in the show, it's at Shabnam's house, right? Mm-hmm. Right. In the, uh, no, yeah, in the comic yeah. book, yes. it was at Lex's house. Right. It was Lex's party. And that was just a very different thing. And I understand why they did it in the show to put it on Shabnam because they had a whole lead in for more things happening in that house. Um, But I was very surprised because I didn't read. Maybe that's I don't know. That may be second volume. So I'm hoping I'm not spoiling that, although it's no, that's Uh, fine. It was was not a Shabnam. It was not Shabnam's house. Yeah. And I thought that was an odd or interesting decision. That Um, was one of the notes that I had from early on because they took the the preps uh, group mm -hmm. and the kids of CIA group. 
yeah. and yes. kind of put them together they in the TV the show. Yeah. yeah, And I'm expecting more of that further in the comic series because they didn't have much of the CIA group. And I do kind of want to see that. The kids of like all the CIA agents mixing CIA with, FBI. yeah, yeah. And the FBI and all the agencies mm-hmm. mixing with just rich kids. Yeah, Because your CIA, your FBI aren't necessarily rich people. Right. But, <laughs> right. you know, there's a level of, of respect and, you know, cops robbers. There. Connection, yeah. yeah. And, and, and you sort of have to wonder, right? I mean, every one of these clans within the, within the school are connected to a criminal enterprise or series of, or, or connect, right? I mean, the Sotovatos are Mexican cartel. The Kuroki, the Japanese kids are all Yakuza Kuroki. Who are the rich kids? I mean, that's why they combine them, I think, with the CIA, FBI, but they're corporate. I mean, corporate assassins is that is that's not as big a sort of thing in in I, I don't think in my mind, at least. I mean, shadow runs on its way. So, uh, yeah, right. I was about to say. <laughs> right. I mean, pin if you it. get to that point, but but yeah, yeah. pin in it, um, because when well, we talk about punk, I, I think that that is the <laughs> beginnings of like a yeah. little bit of cyberpunk, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then one thing that, that I didn't quite, it kind of was a, an, a little bit of an off point for me, both in the book and the show, was the Dixie mob. Yeah. The, the racists, um, racist Nazi Southerners. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you how do you coexist with them in this school environment? I mean, well, it just and I think it didn't ring true to me even in either context the book well the, i'm wondering my my one my wonder my question is <laughs> is is that more abhorrent to us as an audience because of how close it is because there was also the you know russian mob yeah guy. which, 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 was, which kind of which clan was he with he was with the kgb K- basically KGB. Well, was there uh, a separate kgb clan because he was the only one i ever saw yes there were the, the two other guys that always shower oh yeah everybody was naked you're right like slightly smaller still just as blonde with crew cuts yeah. <laughs> right you're right you're right and you know and, that yeah. stereotype you're right um, but i think that you know i i also wondered the same thing because in the TV series, it's like, how does she not get her mouth smacked off her face every day, every day, you know? Yeah. And one thing I I did want to say about this is I think the show did a much more, a much better slash more accurate job of depicting high school. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you know, it, it didn't come across the same way in the book. Um, but in the show, they had they really did a good job. Yeah, this is high school. This is high school yeah. cliques. This is high school exactly. factionalization. And this is also high school personal trauma, yeah. right? I mean, this is yeah, yeah. every every character. I mean, it was all the main characters, but you know, Billy the punk and Lex the punk and Petra the goth. I mean, these kids all were much more sort of real high school studenty than in the book. Yeah, I thought and that was, I thought they did that, a very good job. That was a note that I had, but also I think that it was it was trying to get there in the in the graphic novel. Oh yeah, because you know basically um, in, in the foreword they were talking about equating high school to a prison. Mm-hmm. 
You know, it's like, you know, if you, you know, if you're sitting in your cubicle at work, your coworker doesn't come in and smash your head into your computer screen. <laughs> right. <laughs> Absolutely would have happened in a high school. Exactly. Right. And you can't just leave high school. Right. Without permission. Um, the other thing, um, exactly what you just brought up, Dan, was the costumes, the way people identified who they were and 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 whether or not you could interact with them were mm -hmm. and I have always in my lifetime and I'm probably not I'm probably alone in that but <laughs> the way people dress mm -hmm. it's a costume to me like and I think of it that way it's like mm, what what do I feel like today what costume am I going to wear I don't right. what think character about what am outfit. I playing exactly right. and so I, I think that that which that, facet of the d20 of my personality am i showing off today yikes now i sound like right Sybil. <laughs> well i yeah. think that's also interesting <laughs> i think it's interesting you can look at it that way i i treat my body as a billboard like mm. you know and that's why i wear i wear jeans i wear socks i wear the same shoes every day the only thing that changes about me is my shirt and it's like do i want to look professional today there's a button-down shirt you know but what i'm doing is I'm advertising I'm working mm -hmm. you know like right now I'm wearing a graphically novel shirt because it's graphically novel Dude, day. you don't wear the band of the band that you're in the shirt that you're in don't be that guy don't be that guy you don't wear don't the band shirt to the concert <laughs> Right. But like, that's the only decision that I have when it comes to clothing in the morning. I grab underwear, I grab socks, I throw them on the bed, oh, no. wherever they are. Oh, no. And, I, then, <laughs> no, no. and then like, I go through two or three shirts and think, what am I doing today? Am I doing something slightly nerdy? Okay. Am I leaving the house? <laughs> first do I want to advertise? Question, am I leaving the house? Right. Do I want to advertise that I'm doing something slightly nerdy? Then it's probably like my Dungeons and Dragons and Diners and Drive-Ins and Dive shirt. <laughs> Because when he goes nerdy, he goes all the way nerdy. That's right. He's 150% <laughs> nerdy. Nice, nice. But I mean, that's that's how I see clothes. And I, I don't see other people, unless they're wearing something that has a graphic or, or words mm -hmm. or something, I don't see it as, oh, they're nicely dressed or they're, they're whatever dress. I generally, that passes by me. See, I don't, I, I am. Self-conscious, not others conscious? <laughs> I don't know. I, I look at people and the way they're dressed and, and I know I go much deeper. I'm like, you know, why, why would you, why would you choose when you know you're going outside and people are, and people are going to see you? Why, what about you decided that this is what you wanted to wear? And so it's not judge. It is judgmental. I, I will admit that. It's 100%. But, it is judgmental. But we're human beings. One of our favorite things we love to do is judge other but people. But to me, it's not like, oh my God, why are you wearing that? It's like, what Where happened? did that decision come what from? What happened to you? <laughs> oh my hey, God. No, so <laughs> I'm not judging, but I'm wondering who hurt you. <laughs> Well, thank you everyone to the last episode that anyone's going to listen to is now horrible. <laughs> it, oh, might, it might be the first episode that more people start listening to. I'm going to have another drink. <laughs> I have a quote that this goes directly into. Though. Okay, go ahead. But, but can I say? Sure. Can I, so to me, the whole like groups, you knew who belonged to what group mm -hmm. by how they, their affectation. And it wasn't always 
how they were dressed, but it was their affectation because they were all in school uniforms, right? right. So it was sure. how they chose to present that school uniform told right. you what faction they belonged to. Right. And in and that's how I see life. It's like, okay, <laughs> you know, what faction do I belong to today? How am I going to present <laughs> my physical presence into the world? Which is why I'm judging. M- most, of, most of my, my <laughs> attire in general uh, happens to be conservative camouflage. Right. And- sure. Yeah. Yeah. and right uh, i mean what you're presenting can certainly be a way to hide among you know the the people you're around exactly like Um, for example today i'm wearing leggings (laughs) and a thermal shirt okay don't don't, don't get me wrong like i still have underneath this you know button down long sleeve polo I have a shirt that just says I'm fine across the chest that has a big blood spot on the side of it. My, brother, my little brother bought me for my birthday. It is probably my new favorite shirt and definitely the pajama pants are my new favorite article of clothing. Um, nice. But yeah, like the, the nerd is still under there. Like, so I got stabbed. And I remember, right what? I got stabbed. I got right stabbed. there. With a sword. In well, the so kidney. weird is that? In the kidney. How weird is that? Um, but in the show, it mirrors a conversation that happens in the comics, and this is what I wanted to bring up. When Marcus opens himself up to Willie, yeah. um, when they're on the, the double side, first of all, there are there are several fucked up things that happened in the comic that are very different than the TV show. Yes. Read yes. the comic. Uh, but what does not change, or what at least is conveyed in the TV show, is that Willie and Marcus that outing kind of brings them together. And that's the first real friendship that Marcus starts to have. Right. Because Willie uh, admits things to, to Marcus and Marcus admits things right. back. They mm-hmm. they actually are vulnerable to right. each other. But in the comic, yeah. I'm not going to go into specifics other than mm-hmm. one quote, but in the comic, Marcus opens up more than he does in the TV show. True. Um, yes. And I liked him. And it's almost as if they built him up as me. Okay, I... I do like this character. I'm on board with him only for him to do the thing that's totally different in the comic that is fucked up. And I'm like, what the hell is happening? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But the line that I want keep wanting to talk about is they're talking about music. So they start like mm-hmm. Marcus starts opening up. Willie's like, nah, nah, starts to talk about hip hop and, and Marcus comes through. But uh, the line that Marcus tells Willie is it's hard to express honest emotion, emotions and to be fearless about sadness because Willie's talking about how listening to that sad shit, like that ain't right. gangster, that ain't, that ain't tough. It's, it's like, and that's he's actually saying, I think he said in there, isn't that, isn't that gay? Right. Isn't that gay? <laughs> and, and, and he says, and he says, yeah, if being like honest and true. Honest and, about, and, yeah. 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 And it's, if that's gay, then yeah. And then that's what he follows up with. It's hard to express honest emotions and be fearless about sass. Yeah. Like it is such a, oh my God, God, that was such a great, yeah. you know, yeah. but again, well, they, he talks that, about bravery there. And right. basically we start having a, a, a proto toxic masculinity conversation. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Right. In the middle of these 1980s teenagers, <laughs> which is the last place you would expect. Right. 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 And on a subway in, in New York. Are we in New York? Yeah. No, yeah. San Francisco. San no, they're in San Francisco. Yeah. I, I have to say, and, and I don't know, this is mostly in retrospect, I think. I wasn't thinking about it at the time I was watching the show or at the time I was reading the comic. I think that Willie got kind of shortchanged in yes. in how he was portrayed and how he and when where he was in the show, right? This show was so much about Marcus, obviously, mm-hmm. but also so much about some of the other characters around mm-hmm. him, but not as much about Willie as I think he deserved. 
Um, I think I think he got more in the back end of the show. This the TV of? show. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think he was able to kind of get more where they were trying to go in in the comic in the beginning of the when, comic. When he makes the decision to leave, yeah. And then ultimately ultimately makes the decision to, yeah. to yeah. come back. That's that's where his kind of character arc is. Mm-hmm. You're right though, Dan. They didn't Well, do... but he didn't come back in this show. Oh shit, you're right. No, he doesn't. He didn't. He, he just left. Yeah, yeah. He, just he and Gabrielle just took off. Yep, yep. And that was, um, you know, a little jarring. But, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe if they had a second season, he would have come back. Right. But I thought that there was a lot more interesting stuff about him, certainly in the first volume, where, where yeah. you get his full backstory. Um, I thought that was more interesting treatment of the character than they really did, or, or more treatment of the character, not just more interesting, but just more of it than they did on the show. Um, well, on the show, though, I thought it was interesting when they talked about like his introduction to being a gangster. Mm-hmm. On the show, they made it that he killed his father. Mm-hmm. Right. And they also make it a uh, slight difference. Who knows? Slight difference. The leader of his gang. Is his mom? Is his is his mom? Is it his mom or is it his aunt? Is it his mom? Get- no, it's his mom. It's his, his mom. mom. Because his, his uncle. uncle. Is- right. Right. Yeah. In the in the in the book, it was his uncle who. Right. 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 Yeah. And so that also flips the idea of a matriarchal gang and disappointing your mother as opposed to, again, toxic masculinity and right. patriarchy. Well, that was and never, that- but they didn't really explore that very much. Right. No. No. It was no. just mentioned a few times in the background, but it was never a ama- like like Saya, her cousins come and try to kill her, right? And there's this whole story right. there. Right. And Maria, she's got El Diablo, and there's this whole story there. Right. And well, but and then also the guild and right. and Wong's sister. And Wong, right. And and the whole right. like women are stronger, women are kind of Yeah. You know, I mean, it would have been it would have been easy for them to tie that into Willie's backstory. Yeah, I yeah. am wondering if if again because Willie didn't just leave the school and didn't just leave his friends. He left that gang and his mom as well. He left so San Francisco. Right. So, yeah. Right. So I'm wondering if that was another one of those. He'll get his focus in season two. Yeah. Which we never so. got. Maybe. Because you're Maybe. right. Because we did focus on all these other characters. You got to leave something. I mean, right. you know. Yeah. I mean, I guess. I, I, and, and I'm looking, just trying to think about the books now and trying to figure out, because the Willie and Marcus relationship is really is the first relationship Marcus has yes. yeah. at the school. And I think... I think they kind of, for the show, they kind of pushed that aside because of the Marcus, Saya, Maria triangle, which is obviously very important, but um, kind of, I, I just kind of felt bad for Willie as a character. It's like, there isn't a whole lot here that we're, we're not doing a whole lot with you. But right. I felt um, like that was, again, that was really very high school feeling. Mm-hmm. Like, Willie and Marcus have a good, solid, like they're being honest mm-hmm. with each other. Mm-hmm. They're, they are, they support each other as reluctant as it may be <laughs> support. Um, but think about it, you know, high school guy has a girl interested in, in him. He's interested in another girl, his friends 
are 10 yards behind him in his mind. And I felt like, yeah, it's not that great for that character, but it really felt accurate. For the, well, for the age, I, you know, I the age. Of, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, and I thought they did a fair job with Willie and Marcus and the whole, you know, Marcus uh, or Willie telling Marcus to step off when he's in public. Right, and right. And then coming back to him in private. I thought that was great. Yeah. But it just didn't continue yeah. into the second half of the season. I, I don't know about that. I, I, I disagree a little bit because I think he just had more of a, it was more of a background because eventually we've got Willie getting into more music that Marcus mm-hmm. is into. He starts working in the comic book It's shop. the introduction of the comic book store. It's the yeah. only place yeah. other than the That's, roof yeah. that all of them can be together at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we've got the, you know, he starts yeah. reading the same comics. They're playing video games together. Eventually he's just like, hey, hey, dumbass. Like that that chick was just flirting with you. <laughs> and like, yeah. yeah, she was talking about Superman and, we, you know, you love Superman. Why? Why you? Why are you blowing? Why are you being off? such a jackass? <laughs> yeah, I agree. Right. I agree. I think and, it was just, just it was think... more subtle and it was more in the background, but yeah. And maybe they just had and and for obvious reasons they focused more on the triangle with Saya and Maria right. and Marcus than than with um Willie and Marcus's relationship. But I I kind of thought even you know Billy got more FaceTime than Willie in a lot of yeah. in a lot of respects. And Billy's I'm not character, really sure why. I'm not really sure why. Well, I mean, he's the focus of the Vegas trip, right? True, but so that makes sense. But but after that, with the whole yeah. Lex and Billy and Petra and the the mm-hmm. punk kids, the, the the real rats, um, that got a lot more screen time. And and okay, and I know why that is. Well, TV. Well, yeah. but I know why it is for me. Okay. Um. So th- this is going to start the the music conversation. <laughs> the '90s kid is going to start. Yes, talking. because I was. <laughs> I was I'm 90s. sorry, you're not qualified. <laughs> That's the point. Uh, so, so I was a '90s kid. So you know, punk rock to me was Green Day, Offspring, Blink 182, Third Wave, Ska. Blink 182 is bless your punk. heart. Yes, bless your heart. Yeah, bless your heart. All right. Bless your heart. Okay. Um, <laughs> let's 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 roll with this let's there was one girl in my ap english class that wore a padlock on a chain one girl and i one day asked her what that was about she was like until you listen to a sex pistols album don't fucking talk to me and that was it bless her (laughs) she was not wrong Um, but you find that even amongst because jen and i have conversations about what is punk versus what's not punk and what is even goth versus what's not goth because again 90s different goth movement punk you've got post-punk and then you have new wave you have no 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 you have Mm -hmm. what is this new punk in the 90s i don't even know what that's called because post Post-punk <laughs> happened in the 80s. Yeah, but it's all post-punk, I think, at okay. this point. If all you right. listen right. to the arguments between Lex and Billy, Lex is from London, mm-hmm. Billy's from the United States. Mm-hmm. They are arguing about punk the entire fucking time. It's true, it's true, yeah. And then oh, you, yeah, especially at the adolescence show, right? Yes. I mean, and then you that's... throw Petra into the mix, and Petra's like, I listen to all of that, but like my tastes are more, you know, and she would actually like what I would consider at that point, dark wave, not even necessarily the, the, the foundations even, of goth. Dark I don't wave even comes know that later. They, okay. Yeah. yeah and I don't and know that they rock. really, yeah. I don't remember them really getting into what Petra listens to. And that's I mean, again, I mean, a point. Yeah. 
it was mostly what Marcus listens to, right? Which yes. is right. Which what would largely you could call sad bastard punk. Um, you know, mm-hmm. the Smiths and um Well, technically oh, wasn't that called alternative rock? At that point? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Was that because I, I I remember that was like a new alternative rock was a new genre. Alternative. Yeah. I don't, maybe. Even, I don't like, know when that I don't even remember back. it being labeled until the nineties. And then no. it was things like it was no. it was live, yeah, but, it was bush, it was no. now it's alternative. We were yeah, calling yeah. we were calling alternative rock stuff in the eighties right. that was not your commercial. Yeah, that's I don't, what we maybe did. in the late eighties. I don't remember. Yeah, um, um, but uh, things that I've learned, you know, <laughs> since being with Jen. For example, if you had asked me, you know, what are what are some bands that are in third wave or or uh, new wave? Like if you if you were to describe new wave music, like what was in it, and I would, probably would have named a couple. They might be giants would never be on my fucking radar mm-hmm. for new wave, like to describe new wave music. But I'm not, I'm not sure I yeah. would put them in. I'm not sure I would. Put I, them I wouldn't in either, either. And they would be like on the very end. They're, they they started out more as novelty i mean yeah. in a lot of ways yeah. i mean they're great musicians but but i would right. never put them in in new wave or or right. any I get, of that. I, I, don't, guess, I don't know what category i would put them frankly and keep in mind most of my categorization for what they mean comes from john and Je- john hildebrand and jen turning me <laughs> on to, to uh first wave on Sirius and yeah. the number of times they play "Don't Let Start" on Sirius on, on <laughs> really first wave, yeah, is nuts. that's funny. That's funny. That's weird to me. I don't. I don't uh, listen to that. Although speaking of Spotify, I was very amused. You know, they do the year end wrap ups, right? Yeah, and, and mine and didn't show up. It didn't. You never got no. it. Damn. No, I got the email, and when I went to Spotify, it was just like, "Here are a bunch of lists for 2020." I didn't Aww. get my personal metrics this well, year. Well, what I thought was funny was that the the genre listing for um for for what I listened to the most was and I swear to God, Chamber Psych. <laughs> and I have no idea what the hell that is. Well, so you're in a chamber and you yeah. need to psyched. get psyched. <laughs> No, it's 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 clearly <laughs> some some aspect of psychedelic. Yeah, right. Yeah. The funny thing is, it turns out Spotify is connected with this this tool called oh shit, I can't remember what it is. Every song or every genre or some, and they have this huge map that you can get online of all these different genres and how they interrelate. But there are thousands of them, and I'm thinking, how is this useful to anybody? But um, I thought it was fascinating that that I'm you know the based on what I listened to over 2020 they put me in they said my my top genre was chamber psych whatever the hell that is i think you should um, submit this to reply all yeah <laughs> <laughs> this looks like a job for reply all how how uh, yeah it might be it how might does that be. work well i mean from from the beginning I, I, as, as I grew up as a music lover, I didn't have, like, I absorbed what I heard and I didn't have a group of people around me who defined what that music was. And so maybe I was lucky in that way. You know, um, you know, when I first really became obsessed with music, there wasn't anyone there to tell me that like, oh, you like punk? Well, then you can't like ska. Right. Yeah. And so I just listened to what I liked and I really didn't pay attention to genre. 
And it wasn't until I was older where people were like, oh, you really like punk music. I'm like, okay, I like these <laughs> I bands. Yeah. I like these bands, right. but I also like these bands and their ska. And I like these bands and their new wave. And I like these bands and their yeah. heavy metal and their whatever. You know, it's like, I, I like what I like. I'm not, right. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to pigeonhole it again. We're back to costumes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm a lot less judgy about people's musical tastes. I mean, I will say I don't like X. I don't like this band or I don't like that song. Right. But I've, I've, I used to be sort of, oh my God, how can you listen to that? Oh my God, that's that's so that, funny. That genre you said, is crap. Yeah, yeah, you said that, and I was like, you don't like the X. <laughs> Wait, X or the XX? I don't, I don't know. Either. I spent my time with the XXX, but that was mostly when I was. No, you yeah, spent more time uh -huh. with. The XX and X, now that you know me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, interesting. I mean, my... my uh... I don't want to digress too much into my musical journey, but um, when I was in high school, my first concerts were Styx and ELO. Um, and then a friend of mine introduced me to Ultravox when they were pre-Midjur, when they were not New Wave, they were still pretty punk, and Gang of Four. And that yeah. was like the whole, like like my whole world changed at that point. Yeah. Um, and since then, I mean, I went through periods when I was really close-minded about it. And since then I've opened up, so I don't judge people anymore. Um, I feel like I'm completely I, left out of this conversation. I'm sorry. Because, well, no, I'm sorry. Maybe, <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. It's nothing to do with you guys. It's because my musical experience growing up was uh, in like third grade. I started in band and I played mm -hmm. all forms of percussion. I played. Um, got into. Uh, I was in. Got into. Finally, got into choir in high school. I got into um, actually playing trombone in high school as well. So most of my musical upbringing was either what my parents were listening to mm -hmm. what i could find on the radio in rural south dakota i'm, I'm just gonna leave that up to your imagination <laughs> um or you know what somebody happened to be you know having their cd case when we were cruising mains in town after school right right um so, so what was that well it was the weirdest mix of things like live and slayer and uh mozart and by the way they're babies they're babies dan <laughs> <laughs> they're babies well that's i mean that's that that i understood <laughs> like, I, I'm, I'm i'm alternately going from like night on bald mountain to seasons in the abyss to <laughs> you know live mental jewelry and you know these are the things that are just popping around on my radio it's just like I, I listened to everything and i didn't really have anybody to ever be like oh my god are you listening to that and it's just like he's a band geek he'll he listens to everything and he can probably teach you a few <laughs> things about the music that you're listening to and this right. is beautiful this is a beautiful thing the and and also i had a similar experience because i came into punk music right when my parents moved us to western iowa you're gonna I'm going to I'm going to make you have a, a clutching your pearls moment, Jen. Mm -hmm. I have never heard a Sex Pistols song that I can actually point out and say that I know that that was a Sex Pistols song. Oh, it's, it's OK. I'll show you uh, later. Like I'll I, show you later. I've, I've heard so many people say, have you never heard the Sex Pistols? Like, no. And you know what? The Sex Pistols are no not idea. the pinnacle of punk to me. I know. I, so, they were the they were the they were the yeah. flag bearers in some yeah. ways, but that was because of fashion more than music. Yeah. It's cool. Sid Vicious was just a bass player. So, but 
my point is, <laughs> I think that you're gonna get the mail bomb. And I am gonna get the mail bomb. I just true. want it to be a small payload. I don't, it, not more than yeah, a right. mile, uh, a mile blast radius, because then you're gonna hit my house too. Okay. So what I think you were fortunate in, as I was, is you didn't have the um, the social ramifications of genre, because I have friends who lived in like more urban areas where if you liked ska, you didn't associate with people who liked punk. And I'm yeah, like, how no. could you do that? I mean, I like both of those I like both of those genres, but where as a, I where as I grew teenager, up, most people like might understand that you that there was a genre of music associated with punk. But if you'd have said ska to them, they'd have been like, "What?" Yeah. See, for but somebody no, no. that likes ska, if you saw a CD that you liked, you picked it up, picked it up, picked it up, picked it up. Okay. Oh. <laughs> but my point to you is. You you just listen to You're things fired. because you liked them. Thank At you, least Dan. once an episode, yeah. <laughs> you picked things up because you liked them. Absolutely. You liked how they sounded, and it didn't matter who did it, where it came from, what oh, the genre was. Oh, if you looked was. at my Spotify playlists, and are that's so messed up. Well, and that's why I love you, Bear, <laughs> because you can't. You've got to. You've got to ignore the costume. Exactly. And do what you want. Ignore so the, the label, really. Yeah. Right. Yeah. My, I mean, my, yeah. Okay. Don't ignore the costume because the costumes are fantastic costumes are cool. <laughs> she bought the labels for a bad. reason <laughs> right? that's that's ex larker oh. talk right there fair you know me <laughs> He's like, she bought those boots for a reason. You know it. <laughs> yes, of course. But that's, um, yeah. I mean, my my first concert that I ever went to was on my 16th birthday. I never really got into the concert. And it was a Tori Amos concert. And my mom just knew I was going to a concert. And was like, absolutely not. And I'm like, so, okay, here's the album. I'm not hiding anything from you. <laughs> just start playing music. She got like 10 seconds in. She's like, oh, I didn't know you were gay. Here you go. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> Anyone who doesn't know Josh, and I don't know anyone who's listening to this that doesn't yeah. know Josh, but um, whoever doesn't know Josh is, he is an emo girl. It's true. Oh my God. Like, you know, my quote point... unquote emo, emo girl, because we're talking about costumes my here. My point was <laughs> on the way to that concert, it was also my 16th birthday, first day I could drive. So for my first- The first like, thing you did was went to Starbucks and got yourself a pumpkin spice latte. They didn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was 1995. Uh, oh, God. No, I, I played Bad Habit by Offspring as the Ooh. first song that played in my car. Oh, well, you know- <laughs> On your like, way to the Tori Amos concert. On my way to the yeah. Tori Amos concert. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, 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 okay. That's hilarious. Yeah. My first concert that wasn't, like, just a street band in South Dakota, like a cover band, was, I was here in Cedar Rapids, actually, and won tickets over, I think it was Z102.9 to a live concert when they were on their i think it was their distance to hear album oh live live, live. live. Like, I'm yeah, like, yeah i was gonna say of course they, it was a live concert live 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 yeah okay live, live. are we sharing first concerts so sure. dan sure okay so as i so, said oh sorry no go ahead oh well i was gonna say so my my first three concerts that i went to yellow because i a friend of mine got tickets to the out of the blue tour and it hashtag was, uh dan is from uh new england boston <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. And that was actually, I think, at Foxborough Stadium. Um, but it, that was the Out of the Blue Tour. I was 15 years old. Later that same year, Styx Grand Illusion Tour. And then probably a year and a half or two later, Boomtown Rats. 
Um, so it was, it was, there was a sea change already happening. Um, and then my friend introduced me to all those things. And so since then yeah. it's, I've never looked back, I guess. Go ahead, Jack, your well, turn. My very <laughs> first concert was not by the choice because my parents were, you know, I was born in the sixties. So they, they were taking me to live music from a very young age where there are many. I just remember lots of colors in a dancing bear. No. I don't get it. No. I was not dancing. <laughs> no. I was not you. dancing. It was not Screw a dead you. concert. It was not a dead concert. There are lots of pictures of me shirtless running around with farm animals. Same with everybody else. Oh. Like I yeah, said, like who has it like, like, that dead concert? <laughs> But uh, the first one that I am sure of was the uh, one of the first Tennessee volunteer jams. They had uh, um, University of Tennessee would throw big festival concerts and Leonard Skinner was there. Lots of those, you know, early, late 60s, early 70s bands. The first concert that I went to that was my choice that I bought the ticket was the Stray Cats. Really? Yes. And I walked away from that. I walked away from that show just in awe of the sound. The sound they could make with (laughs) three instruments. I get 30 seconds. It was amazing. I mean, percussion, Mm -hmm. he had a bass, he had a snare, he had a hi-hat. That was it. That's all you need. That was it. If you're good, that's all you need. It was a stand-up bass and an electric guitar. It was freaking amazing. I still stand (laughs) by that as one of the best shows I've ever seen. They were just amazing high energy it was the you know rockabilly revival mm, kind yeah. of thing i appreciate it wasn't quite my thing i never really got into it but it was such a great show oh, i would have loved that such a great yeah show. see that's that's true of a lot of bands right that that you wouldn't necessarily choose them to listen to just sitting around in your home or in your car but you go to their concerts and it's fantastic yeah um it's just an amazing experience and live music cannot yeah, be beat that's true. i don't care what it is i love it if it's live see and there's there's where i i fall back to my my appreciation of marcus is that you know, just oh, hey, wait, bring hey, it back, bring it back to the, yeah, bring it back to deadly class. Just a, just a two, three, hmm. three years ago when we were at a concert. We were, yeah, it was three years ago. Um, we were at a concert and it was like a dueling pianos thing. Um, and that's when I had my first anxiety attack. Just so many people, so many what's going on. The the two guys on the dueling pianos, of course, are like making fun of the audience. So they, you know, they're just oh, being assholes. Right. Basically. Well, yeah, but they it was were not good. <laughs> It was a it was an environment <laughs> where it was the first time that I had like super bad anxiety. Well, it was also that, a very confrontational yeah. atmosphere. That's what they were creating, and they're terrible. <laughs> so that's yeah. not good. Um, but before that, um, we had to Jen and I had discussed concerts because she really enjoys going to them. And I find that if it is a concert where I can be at a table and, and ideally there is table service, mm-hmm. I'm fine still going to that environment. Oh, like all the Wild Nept concerts. Yeah, Wild Nept concerts is great. It is a perfect example because they're usually in an Irish restaurant. You get there early enough, you get yourself an alcove at the table, you can see the stage, you can hear them perfectly, but somebody comes to get you your drinks yep. and, and food and, and whatever. And you get lit and you right. sing a lot of great and, and drinking I, songs. I'm not sure if that goes back to Tori Amos being my first concert because my Maybe. second big concert was did you sit 
through the entire Amy Tori Amos Except concert? to stand up and clap, yes. Okay. Because it was at the Paramount Theater. There, there's there is no floor. Okay. You don't, it doesn't you don't... matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I went I went to yeah. see many, many shows in stand like the Chicago theater. And the first one that I saw there, yeah, the first one I saw there was a Lou Reed concert. And um, I stood up during a song and I was told by an usher to sit down, which actually is a callback from me seeing uh, uh, um, the Stray Cats because it you was tried to sit down. To sit down. To up. No, I was told to sit down. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Uh, Stray Cats we're playing this is when i lived in iowa we were in des moines and it was the um not the opera house the orchestra center and so there were like ushers and tuxedos and it's the stray cats it's rockabilly it's rock music how can you they not were, dance <laughs> and they were telling us to sit down see the second concert i went to was boston on the road and Mighty Mighty Boston's were headlining, but it had mm. Amazing Royal Crowns, Dropkick Murphys, and Ben Scalabim. I mean, it, and it was, I was 18 and actually could dance and skate <laughs> for that entire like five hour oh, God. concert. And then the next day I couldn't get out of bed. But <laughs> but I mean, but that's the thing. It's, it's like oh, so my it's first- It's an adolescent thing. Shut up. <laughs> My first two concerts were like the most what I would consider. Well, okay, unless I had gone into a pit, I suppose. Oh, if like I had gone to a concert. Dima and yeah. Rearview Mirror like, concert. Yeah, yeah. Cr- if, if you could on a or... podcast see the look on my face <laughs> when he was like, I went from one extreme to another, tore Amos to a ska concert. I was like, uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. No, okay. it, was, it was when we went to the Edema concert and we, we, we went, we were down oh. on the floor. My girlfriend at the time who weighed a buck 15 decided to go into into the the mosh pit. Oh my God. And it was not a, it was not a, I was I was on the wall no. of that pit, and that was not 90s. a fun time. No, it actually was the 2000s. That was well, the 2000s. Okay, and let me tell you something: the wall of that mosh pit was not a fun time. Um, and we were so exhausted by the time by the time Adima actually started playing the friends. Though that's the thing that I yeah. noticed. Normally in a pit, it's like the people in it that are like picking people up, and like you know, it, that's that's the sign of a, a good, a good p- healthy, healthy pit. A healthy pit. Yes. In this one, it was Bear, Luke, a couple other people, shiny, like, but shiny they made friends with the other people who were part of the wall the wall all made friends the yeah. wall was yeah. bonding and not the <laughs> yes pit. and not the pit <laughs> right so, and, and go ahead oh i was just gonna say that's a good i mean the whole pit concept is obviously comes up in the deadly class show the deadly class at the at the adolescence show, show. which is yep. not my experience with a pit at all like, well that was that's totally my experience with a pit where if somebody fall if somebody goes down Right. Somebody goes down in a pit, everyone picks them everyone up. Everyone picks them, them up. Out. Right. Yeah. Although as, takes them out. <laughs> as Saya says, when the metalheads show up, right, or the skinheads, they cause trouble because yeah. they are not part of the same um yeah. mental space. They just have a different view of it and they, yeah. they just want the bashing, right? Mm-hmm. It's not about the bashing, it's about the music. Quick um, note, by the way, on on the adolescence concert is um, when I looked into that, I, I was like, oh, I'm really interested in that band. That was the last recorded um, performance from Steve Soto, and yep. they actually aired uh, a uh, a tribute to yep. him after I, that episode yep. aired because he like filmed it two to three months before he died. 
And Steve oh. Soto, I didn't recognize him from the adolescence. I didn't recognize the adolescence, but I do recognize Agent Orange. Mm-hmm. And he was the bassist for that as well. Yeah. Um, but I mean, just such kind of a cool thing, you know, that especially with Rick uh, Remender and everybody else, like showing their love for the 80s punk yeah. movement to mm-hmm. actually, first of all, have a band actually be the like performance yes. in the, the you know, band. Yeah. The, yeah. And then something tragic like that happens and they take that platform and say, hey, here's some things Thank to you. know yeah. about oh, that's this cool. artist. Yeah. yeah, That's very cool. Again, well, why I'm pissed that the show got canceled. Yeah. Well, yeah, can, I, I, mean, can they... I share my little, my little, okay. Sure. So I went to an adolescent show and the, the concert t-shirt was you paid $5 and they took a Hanes white men's t-shirt and wrote the adolescence in sharpie on the shirt and gave it nice and the little doodle yeah it was awesome (laughs) that is pretty cool i i sadly never um went to shows like that i mean i really didn't um i did i you know i went to various shows and my musical journey has been kind of spotty because i like what i like and i listen to what i like and i listen to it obsessively but i don't necessarily always go beyond that very easily i mean someone will some tell me you should listen to this and i'll listen to it and if i like it i like it if i don't i don't but i really like the stuff i like <laughs> and so well and that's why i always ask you what you're listening to yeah because yeah. i mean it's vetted <laughs> but, but, I, but i will say i will say the soundtrack for this show Yes. was really really cool yes. and I don't know the you know I never studied the bands unless I really liked them so I don't know who was in this band and then went to that band or who was there and then you know or the history of anything but when I I just love some of the stuff that they put in this honestly um, I think yeah. this soundtrack was probably second only to Umbrella Academy yeah Umbrella Academy second season soundtrack was better than the first but I yeah. love them both yes yeah, yeah. yes Um, it's funny uh so today jen and i were both sitting down doing our notes her um in her recliner at the end of the and me at my desk both same room uh because my living room is my office because COVID. um both of us were listening to our individual spotify accounts with headphones (laughs) on Uh both of us were listening to the deadly class soundtrack um and it is totally i mean i'm looking at a website right now that that actually has them listed because i i i paid attention during while I was watching, but I wasn't able to identify everything. This right. is great. <laughs> I mean, this is just some right. Yeah, it's it's it. It was such uh, uh, obvious. I mean, the book was a love song to not just punk in the eighties, but the eighties. I mean, they yeah. really did focus on on punk. Um, mm-hmm. But like we talked about, even Willie is like bringing up some some newer hip hop, and Marcus is like, yep. "Oh, so you abandon the old stuff as soon as the new stuff is is new." You know, and they have that whole conversation about, about, it's the adolescent conversation you have about music, you know? Right. You want to stay fresh, but at the same time, you want to have cred, you know? And it's, so it's, yeah, it's. Um, can I just can I just say yeah. though that I think it's time for people to stop using Killing Moon as soundtracks. <laughs> I've heard it in like four hundred different soundtracks over the past couple of years, and I'm just uh, uh, find something else. 
I don't think I had ever really heard that sound a lot, uh, that song a lot until um, Jen and I got together. But it was also on my um, Halloween uh, playlist yeah. that we play when we uh, we do we do our front porch, basically like the parlor of the Adams right. family, and sit there and I play music. And Killing right. Moon's on there, and um, oh L seven uh, when we pretend we're dead, and you know like. <laughs> Like a right. lot of that 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 kind of stuff is on there. So yeah, now I notice like when I hear Killing Moon, and I hear I do. You're right. I hear Killing Moon a lot. It just shows up a a, a, a more than it more than I think it needs to. Don't I mean, <laughs> Dead Man's Party. You know, Dead I haven't Man's heard that as much, but yes, yeah. I understand because I, and I think I think they did a really good job in this show with finding stuff that wasn't overplayed in soundtracks, right. but they also had a few things that that really were. Um, Killing Moon being the, the, the obvious one. Um, well, and I was wondering if that was because... pour moi, also another one, which yeah, I love the song, yeah. but it shows up all over the place. But right. I'm wondering if they chose certain songs because of the the mood, because of the the what was happening in the scene. And and yes, it's it's it may be overplayed, but maybe the fact that of that exposure makes it better for that scene. Well, I think I think what happens is that they're looking for a song to, to fit a scene, obviously, the mood, the characters, the what's going on, but they also want something that people are likely to connect with, right? And right. people are going to connect with songs that they've heard more before. And so yeah. I think that goes into the calculation. Also, who knows? Maybe it's just cheaper to get certain songs, the rights to yeah. certain songs than that others. That could be. That could be. Um, well, and now, so you don't run into a Wonder Years situation. Now, when you get a song on a show, it's not just the rights to use it on the show. It's the rights to use it on the streaming, the rights to use right. it on a DVD, yeah. the rights yeah. to use right. it on... Yeah. Right. It on, becomes on, much on. more expensive. Yeah. Um, but, you know, well, it, it, it was nice to hear different songs that I liked, but that don't get played a lot, like Holiday in Cambodia. Yes. I mean, you know, or Transmission. <laughs> I mean, these these things show up, but but not as often on soundtracks as I would sort of I would love to right. hear them more. Right. <laughs> Well, it's like, you know, I started thinking about it when watching the show and, and looking at the soundtrack. It's like, you know, when we would make mixes mm -hmm. and, yeah. you know, beyond mixtapes and then mix CDs and then, you know, you make mixes that you can share electronically. It's mm -hmm. still the same thing. And we're just going to call it a mixtape. Right. right. But it's, you know, you're trying to convey something that's that is what you're trying to convey, but also means something to you. And so you want to like, I, okay, this is maybe exposing more of, of my personality, but like, I want to expose people to the obscure things that nobody's heard that I love. Right. And that's kind of like my, my goal with the mixtape is like, I don't want to play, I don't want to send you just like a remix of songs that you know. I want to send right. you stuff you've never heard, but well, that expresses what, what you know. And Dan, know. the next time we get out there when the world stops ending and we see yes. you, um, there's a stupid little deck uh, like the stupid little game that we picked up <laughs> called Mixtape <laughs> yeah. Massacre. Yes. Or no, not Mixtape Massacre. No. Uh, just Mixtape. Mixtape. It's so uh, great. So it's, it's a, kind it's of game. like, it's a Cards Against Humanity-ish, but because it's not that, that you know, gross. gross. But it's like, right. yeah, it's like, 
you're in a car that's going 110 miles an hour. There are no brakes. A wall's coming up. What song's playing? And then you find the song. <laughs> and then and you, you find the song it. and you play it on your phone. Oh, that's everybody. awesome. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> that seems like something you should be able to do online, frankly. It's, it's oh, yeah, no, fun no. to play. <laughs> we played it with my kids. So yeah. it's so fun to play that game with like the next Different. generation. Yeah, and, yeah. You know? Yeah, that's cool. That sounds great. To go back to what Jen was saying about mixtapes, I mean, I, I honestly can tell you I never created a mixtape for a crush or anything like that. But that's right. I mean, what you're doing with a mixtape is you're expressing your personality, your message right. to somebody based yeah. on the things you like that you want them to like. Right. Um, and I thought I thought they did a nice job in the later episode, uh, whichever episode it was, where Marcus is making a mixtape for Maria, um, you know, and, and he gets he gets shit for it from uh was it willie was it shabnam it might be shabnam shabnam i think because that's his roommate right right it was the it was you know the unicorn and pegasus you know um but i just thought that's something that they they didn't um that that they got right but i thought they they would have done a little more with that um but anyway like like what is he, he gave her the tape i guess what did that mean to him? What did that mean to her? Right. Um, that that's There's no a, reaction of her listening to it. Right. Yeah, no, yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, and, right. and and I think that you're right, Dan, because in the 80s, that was a huge thing. I mean, yeah. it was a big deal. It wasn't just the 80s. I gave you a no, mixtape. No, but that's when it that's when it started because that's when it would became could, more accessible yeah. to people. Right. I, I remember trying to record things on cassette tapes off the radio. Yeah. Because yeah, I didn't yeah. have, you know. Right, right. And the, the funny thing is, and, and this is probably says more about me than anything else, is that I was always afraid to make a mixtape because I, I, I had messages and I wasn't sure that I wanted to send those messages. Right. <laughs> it's like, this is, this is what I'm feeling, but I, am I being too open about this? Am I going to get slapped down? Um, so I was very, I was kind of reluctant. Um, you were, you were mixtapes. Uh, I was appropriately paranoid about social media before there was social media. It wasn't even social media. <laughs> it was like, it was like dealing with people. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. you know. See, I was on, I was on, I was diametrically, well, I shouldn't say diametrically opposed. I was on an, a, another end of the spectrum where I would create a mixtape and I was afraid that I was being so obscure or obtuse that people would never get people it. Would never understand what I was trying to say. Right. Right. What the hell does this mean, Jen? <laughs> wow, these are really great songs. Thank you. But the other thing is also, if you ever were the recipient of a mixtape, what do you feel like you're misinterpreting it? Like, is this person expressing this to oh, me? Oh yeah. Or well, again, I, I think this, I don't know, you, maybe you can speak to this more, but I know when I received mixtapes, oh, I read like the depths of the earth into those songs, you know? Right, right. Yeah, we have, this we is have, what, this Avenue is Q covered this perfectly. <laughs> Avenue Q has an entire song about a mixtape. I don't remember that one. Oh God, he gives her a mixtape and she starts to go through like, oh, he does love me. And it's like, I am the walrus is on <laughs> And starts going through And she the, just stops uh, like, yeah. I am a walrus. What does that mean? Oh. 
Wow. No, I, that's true. That's true. That's because funny. I did make a mixtape for someone and they were listening to it and they're like, what are you trying to tell me with this mixtape? <laughs> and I'm like, um, I'm uh, telling you that these are songs that I like. And they're like, oh, okay, okay, okay. There's so no deeper message, really. <laughs> no, there's no deeper message. I just like these songs and I thought he might like them too. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I always have trouble with that also because I like a song... And I'm afraid that if I give it to someone whose musical tastes I really respect and really sort of enjoy, they're going to hate it. They're going to think I'm an idiot. Uh, so I worry about that now and then if I'm if I'm just even recommending songs. But I, I, I'm getting over that with the help of expensive therapy. Uh, there you go. <laughs> it's, expen- it's the expensive part that really helps. Well, that, yeah. that's, Wait, how you know it's, that's how you know it's working, right? Wh- I just paid a face on a wall. Which whiskey is that? Yeah, which whiskey is that? Which whiskey? The therapy. <laughs> The expensive oh. therapy, which whiskey is that? <laughs> <laughs> oh no, that's that's a different expensive therapy. That's oh, self-administered okay. self-care, okay. I think they call that now. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Some jobs give you they, money for that. That would be me. They, <laughs> they you, me, whoever. Um, by the way, I just want to say that this birthday prosecco that I'm I, I'm I'm like a good chunk of the way through this bottle now. Thank you. Excellent. And so <laughs> happy birthday. Yeah. My, my, my wife is gonna be a little weird about me. No, she's not. She's not. No, we've she doesn't I, care. I cleared it. I know she I doesn't care. <laughs> I know she doesn't care. Um, she's gonna laugh at me, is what she's gonna do. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, well, that's the that's best true. of us have wives. Par for the that. course. Yeah. Par yeah. for the course. So any other big points that we want to hit? I am fine continuing to talk to Dan yeah. after recording. I will talk to you as long as you want. Yeah, but but I go. have two things. Or one, one thing that I thought of while watching this show was that there were a couple of anachronisms. Mm. Um, at one point, and, and one of them, maybe it isn't. But in the in the last episode of the first season, or maybe the second to last, um, Billy mentions Costco, and in, I don't know if 1988. I mean, Costco existed then, but it was all in Seattle and Portland, I think. So I don't know. That might be kind of an. Uh, well, maybe an that's a callback to where he was from, perhaps. No, because maybe. From Vegas. Oh, he's, but, no, no, he's, he's not from Vegas. No, that's his where dad his dad was. In was. Vegas. That's where his dad was. We don't know where he's from. No, that's a good point. What was the other? I don't think. But anyway, the other one was earlier. And again, it's Billy. So maybe he's a time traveler. Um, Mm -hmm. But but at one point, he says something about leaning in. And I know (gasps) that lean in did not become a thing until uh, Sheryl Sandberg wrote that book. Yep. Which was in the 2000s. God damn it, business. (laughs) (laughs) but he he so that one that was like okay obviously they're writing this in 20 whatever 2015 16 17 18 i don't even know 18 18, 18, right 2018 2018 those those are those are you know script writers who are obviously you know current in terms of slang and things but that just i don't know why uh you know i'm an idiot i'm an editor things jump out at me no that um, was that jumped so, out at me so costco the first costco warehouse uh location was opened in seattle in 1983 but yeah, i got the same wikipedia article yeah it became the first <laughs> well i'm at their website oh okay it became the first company ever to grow from zero to three billion dollars in sales in less than six years holy shit <laughs> So wow. So I'm sure wow. they were at least to San Francisco by the point. Well, this, let's see. They, so the first making... Costco was 1983 in Seattle. Right. Um, so five years later, it's not clear to tell where they were in terms of locations. Um this they is opened in Seattle. The kind of the kind of anal retentiveness that you will find. Portland and Spokane. That's right. That's right. <laughs> 
So they were. Well, they, while, they have, while you're looking for that, and you didn't have yeah. to grab the deed. While you're it. looking for that, there was something that we didn't bring up that I absolutely want to bring up is the art in the graphic novel. And yes. I forgot about it until I looked at my notes. So um, it was the the colors, the 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 art style. It was so. 80s it was really 80s um but the the art direction was fantastic in my mind it it, it just the the it's such a oh, good, yeah it's such a good mix of like now kind of modern feeling and the 80s it was stark enough to give you, you know, like the colors used yeah. yeah yeah to, to give you the idea of what was going on but it was spot on. I like. I just loved the 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 typeface that was chosen. Mm-hmm. I loved. Mm-hmm. I I just thought it was it was visually appealing to me in every way. Well, and to give credit where it's due, uh, Rick Remender was not the only creator. No, uh, Wes Craig was the co-creator yes. who was the artist. Artist, right? Um, and uh, he is barely new. Like Deadly Class was one of the first things he started working on, but he's done like some Batman, some Superman, Guardians of the Galaxy. And and he his big breakthrough was the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh really? Uh, yeah, Interesting. Comic book Interesting. that came out. Ooh, um, is that something that can go on our master list? Because that could be entertaining. Well, no, because the comic did not exist before the movie. Oh, it didn't. Um, and if you're interested, he also right. does another one that he created called the Grave Diggers Union. Mm-hmm. That just the name alone, mm-hmm. I'm interested. Okay. But um, he he very much has that. Um, obviously, if he's doing Texas Chainsaw, he he can do genre yeah he can do like your time but i must say if you are looking at the graphic novel and i want i want everyone to look at um cover number one by wes craig if you're looking at the collected edition it's page 156 it's gorgeous i would have that framed that's the one that all of them are standing above in this kind of a bluish tinge yeah it's blue and there's a skeleton in the ground it's it's just Hmm. visually perfect it's amazing all of the important characters are there and they're staged in their importance right it's Mm -hmm. it's just beautiful it's a beautiful image and and just i'm sorry just just because i was i was you reminded me i was looking it up um i mentioned earlier at the beginning of the show uh once in future yeah which i was trying to figure out who wrote it It, it's kieran gillen so your listeners can stop sending in their nasty letters (laughs) there you go there you go Um, that's also Kieran Gillen. Also worth reading. All four of anyway, you stop. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Karen, anyway, uh, I know. Uh, I think I've covered everything. All right. So uh, I can honestly start with our guest for, I think, the first time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, our last question of every episode. Dan, will you continue to read this comic? Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I think I will. I, I want to see more of it. I want I to see what happens beyond the first season of the show. Yeah, well, and and also I I will tell you I'm I'm really curious about whether the whole guild thing comes up mm-hmm. in later issues. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I said, I've read the first two collected graphic novels or collected editions and that's I think 12 issues and there's no yeah. reference to it. Okay. Um, so maybe maybe later cuz it would it would it would help because there is this big question in the first couple of volumes of what the hell is this school doing here? Right. Right. Why is this here? Why does this exist? Um, and it's obviously it's discussed more in the show, but yeah, I will read the comic. Also, this is one of the few that we've done. This is an ongoing series. 
there are still issues coming out. Oh, um, wow. Good. This, and there are nine collectives. Yeah. So, um, Jen, will you continue to read this series? Yeah, I will. Absolutely. I And I'm disappointed that the uh, TV series, it's been canceled, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Same yeah. happy. I, uh, I am. I am disappointed with that because I think that they were... I felt like they were pretty in sync with mm-hmm. the graphic novels. Um, and I'm not sure yeah. why there wasn't enough interest. I mean, because sci fi needed money to make another Sharknado. <laughs> hey, we need another Sharknado. Mm. The story's not over. Still haven't gotten to the ones I need, with Chris I need Jericho other in things. them. Yeah, I think, I think this would have been better to continue this show. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to argue with that. I <laughs> I mean personally, I I I don't know that I would keep reading. I I liked the graphic novel, um but I really I felt more invested in the TV show. Um sure. it 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 had the the extra detail I was looking for. It had you know all the all, like I said all those same all those same notes that I got from Umbrella Academy and again while I enjoyed the the graphic novel for Umbrella Academy I just thought it was it was a different you know it was a fun trip but much like the graphic novel it was a fun trip but I I don't know that I would keep reading it I'm if, if the TV series was still going I would probably watch it religiously I, I just didn't didn't have enough oomph for me for the the graphic novel I get that. and f- and for me uh I mean there are nine graphic novels of this so um i'm i'm definitely going to keep reading this this in my in my very limited uh free time where i'm not reading just a bunch of comics and watching a bunch of media for this show uh i'm i'm definitely going to make room for this i really enjoy it i love the show i really wish there was more of the show uh but if the if continuing with the graphic novels is the only way i can do that then that's that's going to be how i how i find it you know yeah how i get my I mean, for me for me the the lady 80s the big part of my life right I mean I was there and it was uh, so so it's interesting to see and I don't know how old Rick Remender is but um uh, it's interesting yeah that is interesting I would be interesting to hear that um have you you've have you seen Atomic Blonde yes okay and there's a second one of those coming out oh that uh he is 47 years old he was born in 1973 so he was he was a he was in his mid-teens in the late 80s mm, he was yeah like 13 when it ended yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah or 16 yeah. When it 15 ended. right yeah, 15 yeah. by 88 yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's an interesting yeah. difference it's a, or it's an interesting time of life to be mm-hmm. aware of and then 30 years later you know whatever right 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 <laughs> all right well dan thank you so much for well, joining thank us you this was yeah. fantastic um uh, i really enjoyed this and, and it's just been bubbling under the surface for for three point whatever seasons for us to just get into a huge music conversation yeah, yeah. oh <laughs> thank you so yeah. much dan well no that was us. this was a lot of fun yeah. this was definitely a lot of fun i've been so glad that <laughs> i'm so glad we were able to get you on the cool. on the show yeah, oh yes with my busy schedule you know you'll have to leave a uh, note with my agent in the age uh-huh. of covid <laughs> yeah understood understood <laughs> <laughs> So uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Please join us next time when we'll be talking about The Kitchen, which uh, was a movie that came out recently that kind of maybe missed some people's radar, and most people probably didn't know it was a comic book. Yeah. So, And we will have another of my very favorite people as a guest on that yes. show. Just Becky as a teaser. Just as a teaser. Yes. <laughs> All right. Until then, we will see you, and take it away, Vandello. Do 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 do
But the same old trouble Villains always knocking at the door Pretty pictures on the page But nothing ever stays the same Do, 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 do Ever as it seems. 